Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 129. We are covering the Tour Championship on the PJ Tour, plus the Estrella Dam, my favourite drop, and Lucia Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Bank System. And with me, we have Golf Bank System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams, and podcast pundit, Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. You can follow Paul on Twitter at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. We have crashed through a 1,000 subscribers, so it's growing nicely. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of the show. So, I've got a couple here, guys. Uh, This one's entitled, Three Pleases, Get It Done. Five stars, great podfellas, information is always on point, and Steve, Barry and Paul have amazing accents. What more could you ask for? That is from ID32194. He is not a number. He is a free man. Thank you, ID, for that particular review. It's clearly all in the accents, chaps. They do seem to... Yeah, if we could add a tiny bit, like maybe a few winners every... You know, <laughs> a few winners every week. <laughs> well, you say that. Don't forget, Paul landed a 50-to-1 full each-way payout last week. That was good. 250-to-1. I mean that's uh, that's better than John Rahm, isn't it? Winning for for a lot of uh, profit. Better than a kick in the proverbial shit. We got another one here. Great shows the title five stars. Love the show, fellas. Inform information and entertaining. Keep up the great work. That is from Ace, and he's in Australia. You know we do get a good chunk of listeners in Australia. Mm. So if you're uh, if you're down under, good day. That's all. I, that's all I say this week. Let's have a quick chat about last week. Um, I had a fantastic holiday. I know Paul did. Yep. And Bar- Barry, you've been golfing as well. So we've, we're, we're all back refreshed after our vacations. What did we think to the golf last week? Clearly, Paul hit on a 251 each-way payout, full each-way payout, which was really tasty. It's rare to see two of our selections, Paul, actually going up the leaderboard on a Sunday. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> He was clearly in position, although, you know, you, you look back over the last, well, in fact, the entire UK swing, and I think I've had someone in that kind of position where, you know, a Sunday make or break is going to, well, it's going to make or break your week, effectively. Um, and yeah. uh, pretty much up until now, it's it's all gone the wrong way. And then um, Craig Howie puts together a, a bogey-free best round of the day, mm-hmm. seven under par, 65 and sneaks into that uh, each way paying position which uh, which was really pleasing I, you know you, you keep putting players in that kind of position and eventually one of them's gonna 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 go the right way for you but um, it had been a bit of a frustrating run up to that I must say um, so yes very pleasing to get him um, up to a tie for fifth and at one point he, he got got to a share of the lead with um, 
well, especially when he finished his round when he was in the clubhouse, which, given the way that, that course set up, it was never likely to be enough. Um, but you never know the European Tour, do you? We've watched enough of it on the Sunday to see the lead um, disintegrate mm-hmm. and be thrown about and thrown away from various players. Yeah. So there's always a bit of a chance, particularly with the I 18th. Watch- I was watching it and I was... He got to the first of those two far par fives in the last four holes, and I thought, God, if he actually birdies this, mm. you know, it pulls him with a real shout here. Knowing how lucky he'll bogey it, but then he birded that one. You think, oh, here we go. He's he's right on the edge here of guaranteeing an each way spot, and then of course he birdies the seventeenth as well. Mm. Very good effort, I thought. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to good to see a player show some. Uh... Yeah, show, show some minerals on a Sunday and, and put a decent round in. I, I know it's a slightly different scenario because if you're going out in the final group and you know there's all that pressure and the real expectation of winning could be different from a player who's starting in tenth, twelfth spot and uh, you know securing himself a decent finish without really expecting to actually get over the line. But you know we've seen it many a time, haven't we? We saw it the week before with uh, Roman Legasque, who um, came through and uh, just posted that. Decent final round, and no one could actually get close to him when it came to it. And uh, these these things happen. So, but yes, very pleasing. Nice to see him. Uh, nice to see him getting a decent result. And as you say, two hundred and fifty to one re- re- equated to effectively a fifty to one return, which uh, is good for the old PL when it uh, all tops up at the end of the day. For when uh, for a country that have produced you know masses of quality players over the years, Scotland have had a Faroe period, haven't they? And we mentioned the French have got a decent set of youngsters coming through. You actually look at the Scots now. Scotland are producing some decent players, aren't they? Craig Howe, we've got Callum Hill, mm. we've got Connor Syme. Yep. There's some decent, decent young players coming out of Scotland right now, and that's good to see. I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Callum Hill's an interesting one because again. Statistically, he stood out again. Sorry, I, for, I forgot Robert McIntyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, apologise. I mean, yeah, that's the obvious one. But uh, yeah, there's some, some. There's a lot of good young players. Full stop. I mean, you look at Rasmus Hogard again. Um, very, very impressive. And uh, I, I know he was up against uh, Justin Waters, who has that tendency to just not be able to. You know, when push comes to shove, to be able to get to get the job done. But uh, you've got to be there in the right position to be able to take advantage and. Another win. It's two. That's only nineteen years old. Incredible prospect for the future. And uh, do you say to me he was up to sixty third? I think you said in the world. Yeah. So uh, knocking on the door of a top fifty spot for the end of the season as well. My task for the day is backtracking and grabbing loads of European to a date because the following players have been added to the U.S. Open: Thomas Dietrich, Lucas Herbert, Rasmus, Martin Keimer, Romain Langask. Uh, we've got Adrian Otegi, Connor Sim, Syme, and Sammy Valamaki. They're all going to be at wing foot in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I've seen quite a few people taking Valamaki on already, actually, kind of in the 200 to 1 bracket. And, mm. and, and, and Rasmus Hogard as well. Again, you know, there's, these, these players are, are coming in fairly fearless, really. And uh, who knows? If they can get their head around the uh, the competition and the, and the challenge that will be winged foot, which will be a serious challenge, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, we'll see how they get on. Now, I know this sounds crazy, and I know that I'm crazy, but in a couple of weeks, well, not even a couple of weeks, is it? It's next week the new PGA Tour season starts. Mm. In fact, the Tour Championship ends on Monday, and the new season starts on Thursday. 
Three days between seasons. Only in America could that happen. <laughs> I'm just going to point out, there was uh, the Corn Ferry Tour Championship last week. Won, I believe, by Brandon Wu. And when I've dug into it this morning, ten the top 10 in the Corn Ferry standings as of now, after the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, are going to be on the PGA Tour next year. So I just thought I'd read them out because I'm going to have to add them all to my analysis and our predictor model numbers and whatever. Uh, Will Zalatoris, who's meant to be an absolute stud, uh, he's, he's, he finished number one on the Corn Ferry Tour, Championship, uh, Tour rankings. rather. Davis Riley, Lee Hodges, Taylor Pendrith, Brandon Wu jumped from 48th in the standings to 5th with that Tour Championship win. Grayson Sig, who we've come across in the past. I think he's a Bermuda boy from down south. David Lipsky, who we know well from the European Tour. He's qualified for the PGA Tour next year. Mito Pereira, Pariah. Paul Barjon. I think he's French, Paul Barjon. And our resort course monster that who you will tip up at every resort course next year <laughs> Stefan Jaeger Jaeger bombs he, he, he does like a 30 under job doesn't he <laughs> he Stephane does like Jaeger. a 30 under does yeah. old Stefan Jaeger I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure he's going to be suited to a uh, to US Open grind but um, no he has qualified for the US Open as well and I, I, I don't think he'll be making the cut um, he also does like a miscut, Stefan Jaeger, at the PJ Tour level. But it'd be interesting to see. He he is. He, he, can, he can shoot 30 under, that guy, when, it, when he's hot. So, yeah, they're the 10 that have been promoted to the PGA Tour for next season, which starts next Thursday. I thought I'd clarify that. Mm. What did you guys think of the BMW last week? That was brilliant. Um, I, I loved the way the course was set up, particularly on Thursday and Friday. Uh, it just... Kind of ticked all the boxes for what you want to see. That like you know, good shots off the tee presented good opportunities to get close to those pins. If you put yourself in a bit of trouble off the tee, you really had to fight for your par or play something spectacular to set yourself up a birdie chance. You know the shaved runoff areas. A few more of those would have been great, but you know I like the variety that that brought in, and um, you know letting the green, the ball releasing. It just it just brings that extra element of um, thought into it that they're not just throwing you know just firing and firing a, a specific number um, and it doesn't really matter too much about the ball flight. They had to change a lot of things for different shots last week to get the ball to do different things in the greens. I'm not saying I want to see that every week um, because if you see the same thing every week, you get very bored of it, which is kind of why we get bored of the the dartboard style golf we've seen for quite a number of weeks. Uh, and kind of call out for something like this, and and then after you see, you know, after a couple of rounds of this, you get these weird creeping thoughts going. Oh, I wish I could see a few more birdies go in, <laughs> and that's just a knee jerk reaction to what you're conditioned to seeing week on week, which is loads of bir- loads of birdies going in, and you quickly put it, hopefully put a stop to those thoughts and enjoy the fact that you're getting to watch, you know, a slightly different style of golf, and you know, for for me, it's. I'd prefer to, yeah, I'd love to see one of these style tournaments, maybe once every three tournaments, you know, just to just to change the challenge these guys are being presented. And mm-hmm. you can see that the ones who are playing the best golf, you know, really good golf and those kind of elite players manage to get themselves up to the top of the leaderboard and, you know, you end up with the one and two player in the world going to a playoff. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, I think we've... Had, we've 
Go on. Go on, Paul. Go on. I was going to say, incredible drama, particularly as we got, got down to the... Uh, down to the business end of it over the over the eighteenth, and of course the the playoff as well. But, but yeah, now I'm with you. I think it's a nice contrast to what we tend to see on the PJ tour. It was interesting reading some of the comments on social media because again, it kind of split opinion between people who were saying exactly that, saying you know it's nice to see something that isn't a birdie fest, and then um, quite a few comments which were you know looking at the course and calling it bland or unfair or um, you know various. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 I, I don't want to see a, a birdie fest every single week. It's, it's it doesn't. What was um What was unfair about? Oh, the bunkers and the, the way that they were positioned in the rough was one of the main gripes I was reading. And you know, at the end of the day, I think you need that little bit of variety, particularly from a punting perspective, because it brings different people and different angles into the element to to try and work through and to try and pick out who's actually going to. Going to do well. Interesting to see um, John Rahm now stepping up and performing in tougher conditions. Of course, Sunday was uh, slightly easier than uh, the, the previous days that preceded it. But even, even so, he's you know we've talked many a time about John Rahm and being suited far more to a, a low-scoring um, test than a you know what was a kind of a pseudo US Open-style test, particularly for the first day or two. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting to see that he's built that into his repertoire to a certain degree now, and um, also also interesting to see how this correlates with um, the results from Wingfoot in a couple of weeks' time as well. I, if you actually look at the PGA Tour this year, there's been a the, the Honda Classic's always a tough, isn't it? That's that's normally wind and 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 speed. Bay Hill was an absolute brute where Hatton won. Memorial was a brute, and then we've had this uh, BMW Championship. So there's been four what I'd classify as atypical PJ Tour events. Interesting when you look at this, and if we're actually looking for a sort of long shot for the US Open next week, when I look at leaderboards across Honda, I look at um, this particular individual I was going to highlight, he was second at the Honda Classic. Um, if you look at the Memorial Tournament, he was sixth. And if you look last week at the BMW Championship, he was holding a putt on the last hole to get into the Tour Championship. He finished 10th. Mackenzie Hughes. Mm. I bet you're going to pick up Mackenzie Hughes at a big 200, 300 to 1 for Wingfoot in a few weeks. And that guy has got serious short game. Yeah. And what did you say to me, Barry, off air, before we came on here? You said you're going to need serious short game at Wingfoot. It, it, it certainly looks that way. Yeah, you miss those greens. They, anywhere, it does not look like a lot of fun to get up and down. Um, so I certainly think a, a very razor sharp and you know varied short game. Um, you know the ability to play different styles of shots could really help you around there. Um, but look, I mean, you're going to need pretty much all parts of your game singing for U.S. Open. You know, so it's hard to drill down and say it's one specific thing. Um, but that one to me kind of stood out just from looking at flyovers and, and reading and listening about what they've done to the course and how, how it's going to present more to come, I guess, as we find out uh, more and more about the course and how it's going to be set up um, or mm. a bit more fine tuned closer to the time. So we've got to stay a couple of two, two weeks of uh, this week and next and then uh, into the US Open afterwards. You've got, yeah, the Tour Championship this week with this absolutely screwed up leaderboard. You've then got um, the start of the PGA Tour new season, so 2020-21. That is being played at Silverado. 
the Safeway Open, which we've yeah. seen for many years. That's a um, that's a bomber's uh, total driving heaven, Silverado. Um, who've we had? Kevin Tway won there. We've had it's the Brendan Steele Open. Isn't it? He's won there twice. And last yeah, yeah. year we had Cameron Champ. I tell you, what, there's a player that can't handle tough conditions. As I keep barking out, Cameron Champ, sixty fifth. 15 over par last week at the BMW. He can drive the ball, but he's a bit clunky elsewhere. Um, can, can, I, and then can I point the out... US, the, the week after, we've got the US Open. Could I point out something interesting I've noticed? If you go to the... There's, the PJ Tour are so in on their own tour and only their own events that the US Open isn't even on the schedule. <laughs> it's not even there. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Wow. Just a blank week. It's unbelievable. I mean, how can it not be there? <laughs> it's yeah. It's not. It's it's not one of theirs. So uh, yeah, amazing. I had to go. Uh, you know, you need to go off just double checking. Is it really on that week that I think it's on? I, am I sure about this? It's not. It's not there. So uh, send him a tweet, Barry. Get him to, uh, to update this shit. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to buy the tour to get that uh, that to happen. Anyway. <laughs> Right, let's talk this week. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Paul. I'm going to let's let's lead with the Andalusia Masters. Yep. Um, a standard golf tournament with a standard leaderboard where they all start <laughs> at the same score. Yes. Oh, don't you just don't you just love it? And a very no. very classical, beautiful golf course. No, no complexities. No repeated oh. questions and tweets and. My mind is fried, Paul. My mind is fried already. It's um, it's nice to have a little bit of normality or, or something resembling mm. that. I guess. Oh, guys, so, stop being complaining, moaning. Like, come on, it's one tournament a year, and it's not perfect, but it does simplify the equations. On you know, you're there playing the tournament, and you know what's going to happen. You're not looking at your score relative to par, and then also how anything would move you up and down. I mean, it just it makes it f- for a system that is like, like forever, kind of forever good. complicated. The FedEx system—it's mm. just a nightmare to try to understand what's going on. They somehow managed to pull it all together and put together a very straightforward thing for the final event. I mean, last week they were shown players um, hovering around the top thirty cut, plus forty-six points, minus one twenty-three points. At no, st- those points have no meaning whatsoever because I don't know how many points somebody's earning for what position they're on the leaderboard. So they all, all I saw last week was with a birdie goes to like 31st or 27th, but like a little bit of context would help. Like, you know, show me, I don't have to go look it up. Show me on the TV screen, what points are for what positions in the tournament? just once, yeah. you know, uh, and- I don't, I don't, I don't overly dislike the format, Barry. It's just, it's a nightmare. You, you've got, you know, what odds do you record? For for next year, is it the odds of the of the market where they all start at zero? Is the odds? It's mm. just a, the winning score. Well, what was the winning score last year? Well, the leaderboard says it was eighteen hundred. Actually, it was thirty. It's just all a. It's just extra work. It's a nightmare for your records. That's yeah. You know, I'm just anally retentive. <laughs> I, that's the kind of thing that bores me because it it adds hours to my workload. But I, th- I think the actual format works. And what you've got to think of, it's the Tour Championship is a five-round affair, yeah? And at the moment, Dustin Johnson shot 10 under on the on the, went on the yeah. first day, and he's leading. It's basically 
Um, it's in-play betting on speed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the I think that's the best what, what, best way to approach. Once you've got your head around that, you kind of just get on with it. It's anyway. Al- it's also in-play betting with no round one statistics to drop back on and see if somebody's striking it well, tee to green, or if they're <laughs> yeah. putting well. So it's there's an extra element of chaos um, added to the mix when you're going for a bet on the tournament before it kicks off. From a DraftKings perspective, yeah. I think Dustin Johnson's thirteen million dollars, and you've got some down at five million. It's just like it's like elastic yeah. stretch. It's, yeah, it's, it's even it's fifteen k for for DJ. So fifteen, yeah, wow. it's um, it, it does does create an interesting dynamic both on DK and um, from a betting perspective. I'm guessing well. he doesn't automatically get credited with ten birdies of sco- of points scored on on DraftKings. No, he doesn't. But he okay. gets his finishing position, which is where yeah, the, um, the, the equity where the points. Yeah, yeah the, the differential really starts to kick in. But, yeah, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's complex. I, yeah, we, we'll talk about that in a minute and um, see how it transpires from a better perspective. But uh, yeah, let's go through the Andalusia Masters first and the start of our three-week Iberian swing, which follows on from the UK swing. So we've got Valderrama this week, Villamora next week in Portugal, and then alongside the US Open, we have the Open de Portugal, um, which will complete the three events that are being played over on this Iberian swing before we then head back to uh, to Ireland, or Northern Ireland as it is now, because it's changed, isn't it? We're going to um, Galgan, I think, um, in Northern Ireland. Um, on these never-ending changes and updates to the to the schedule over on the European tour. Anyway, back to Villamore. It's good to see Villamore, 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 Valderrama um, back on the schedule, isn't it? It's, it? It fell off for a while, and this old iconic ex-WGCX Ryder Cup venue, um, fourth year now that it's been back on the schedule um, after its hiatus, and uh, long may it continue. I think it's a good course for us punters to get our teeth into because there's plenty of different intricacies and uh, factors to, to dig into and to, to try and work out who's going to be the best fit for this kind of uh, this kind of test um, no Sergio this week um, which is important because originally this uh, this event was hosted by his uh, foundation and uh, he was the tournament host himself. So he's not here. It's no longer supported by his foundation. There's no mention of him um, anywhere within no. the uh, within the event. So I guess originally, because it was going to... My favourite brewery have stepped in. <coughs> Estrella. So it's, it's all good. Yeah, I think they were involved with it a little bit last year. But uh, but even so, yeah, Sergio had his name on the tournament, which is no longer the case. That has opened the market up a little bit, because I'm sure he'd have been the short price favourite had he have been here, given his... Um, incredible record around these parts um, instead we're left with the Rasmus Hogard 12 to 1 it's a little bit of 14s but I think he'll go off at 12s who is the favourite this week and then you've got the likes of Thomas Detry, Martin Keimer um, Bernd Wiesberg or Andy Sullivan all 14 to 1 Joost Lauten 20s Tong Lee Lee Westwood 22 to 1 Benjamin Hebert again who had another big chance to win last week didn't he 28 to 1 33 to 1 bar those players um, I've just mentioned um, relatively short field, 128 players, um, Paddy, Power, Betfair and Ball Sports all going seven each way for the odds this week if you're looking for some extra 
places. Um, the track itself doesn't really need much introduction, does it? It's a Trent Jones senior design, um, 7,001 yard par 71, but it's the challenge of this tree-lined, classical, tough track that really brings it to the fore. Um, fast bent grass greens as well, if you can actually find the putting surfaces, which isn't particularly easy, given they are pretty, pretty small. Um, the difficulty it really is articulated by the winning scores you've seen here. So um, going back in history, 2006 was won by Jeeve Milka Singh at two under par. Uh, 2007, Justin Rose at one under. Soren Kjeldsen won a year later at eight under. Graham McDowell in 2010 at three under. Sergio Garcia at six under in 2011. And then we've started the Andalusia Masters um, events. So and Andrew Johnson, in fact, that wasn't, that was the Spanish Open 2016. Andrew Johnson, Beef Johnson won over par. He won 100 yeah. to one the uh, Spanish Open in 2016. Sergio won back to back in 17 and 18. 12 under par both times, although the second one of those was only three uh, rounds and it was particularly soft. It was... It had been absolutely hammering down um, that particular week. In 2019, last year, Christian Bezaden, who you know what I mean, Christian Bez, 10 under par last yeah. year. Interesting, yeah. 80 to 1 he was. Although, if you dug through, and you know, you and I both go through and do a bit of a post mortem on these events after. Yep. After the event, and there was plenty to like with Bezwaden, who um, he'd finished third the week before in his previous event, and also if you dug through his previous attempt here, um, he finished 29th. But his weekend performance, there are only two or three players who actually performed better over the final two rounds than, than he did. So um, I think he opened with a 77 that week and recovered to, to finish top 30. So there were a couple of signs there, and for an 80 to one shot. There were plenty of reasons to have got involved with them, actually. Um, anyway, back to difficulty. I don't think it's going to get any easier this week, looking at the forecast. It's going to be dry. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be around about 25 degrees centigrade, so mid-70s Fahrenheit. Um, the forecast wind, um, average wind speeds are between 50 and 20 miles an hour, which at Valderrama is going to make it pretty, pretty tough. Um, I think you're going to find lots of missed greens, you're going to find lots of missed fairways. I think you're going to find par is a pretty tough score to achieve over the course of a round here, particularly on Thursday, which looks to be the windiest of the lot. It looks to be averaging just over 20 miles an hour on Thursday. So if you're seeing gusts of 25, 30, then uh, good luck around Valderrama. That sounds punishing. I think it will be, yeah. I mean, it'd be a good warm up for the actual for the Europeans that are playing here. It'd be a good warm up for wing foot. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting into a grinding mentality, it's going to be a, mm. it's going to be a good, good, good way to to get your mind into the right uh, frame for sure. And it's an all round test if you look at it. Um, it is tree lined. You need to have a good tee to green game. But players will undoubtedly miss a lot of greens here. Um, typically. 60 to 65 percent of greens and regulation is, is the winning total. I mean, Sergio in 2018 when he won, and um, I said it was soft, he was just over 70 percent, and that is an outlier. Generally, it's far lower than that. And um, Bazwayne Hope last year, 47.2 percent greens and regulation. That is by far the lowest GIR number that I've seen for a winning golfer, um, anywhere that I recall. It's a, 
to, to be sub 50% greens and still win a golf tournament um, it tells you a story so you're going to need uh, a short game here that's undoubted um, if you're going to be missing greens in regulation so he was um, 66th in the field of, of the guys that made the cut but he scram- scrambled at 74% and he putted at 1.43 putts per green in regulation that's mad isn't I've it? never I've never seen it that low ever it is a bizarre set of stats, but that's how he got round this track. And um, if you wow. do miss greens here, then you do need to be scrambling incredibly well and you do need to be making every single putt you possibly can. So, yeah, um, I think that's part of the equation this week. Um, a, a bit of sprinkling of form, a little bit of recent form's good. Experience is generally good here of the track. Um, although you look at beef, you look at G Milk, I've seen both of those guys won debut. Um, you balance that with the likes of um, uh, of Sergio Garcia in particular, who's got a cracking record here. Um, Son Kelton tends to play here um, very well each time he plays as well. So um, you, you've got a good mix of players who do play the track well as well. And I, I tend to suggest, particularly with conditions being tough, that you want a bit of um, experience in this track or at least have some good... Um, form on the tougher tests around the, uh, the the European Tour schedule over the last few years. Um, one note of caution with this, and um, the main reason why I went with my preview this morning as opposed to last night, that there have been some travel restrictions um, from the UK to Spain that were due to be lifted last night. So there were um, some muted reports of some EU nationals not being able to get on planes from um, from from the UK to Spain yesterday, which affected a few players. The bulk of the bubble is apparently travelling today, which should be when some of those restrictions have been listed or lifted rather. Um, but clearly, this is a fluid situation. We we know that this whole COVID um, impact on golf is something that's uh, still ongoing, and uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens over the next. Um, uh, the next couple of days as to whether all the players that are listed in the field actually make it over and can start. But um, let's assume they do. Let's assume that the Europeans all have got everything they can possibly have organised in the background and we have a nice successful start to this um, Iberian swing this week. I've boiled it all down. I've gone with five players this week. I've headlined with Thjorborn Olsen. Um, and assuming he can get on and off the plane successfully without any um, without any challenges, um, then uh, I think he's got a decent shot here. Nineteenth um, on debut back in twenty sixteen, he was seventh for ball striking that week. And his long games looked uh, really quite good since he returned to action. Thirty uh, fourth at Hanbury Manor, where he was sixth for driving accuracy and first for greens and regulation. Seventeenth last week, um, and again decent greens and regulation. Sixth he was um, last week. Uh, it just needs for me. It just needs a decent putting week, and when he puts well, and we know he can putt very well, um, Olsen is uh, is the kind of player who I think could contend here. I, you look at him compared to the rest of the field: two major top tens, four WGC top tens, five European Tour wins. Two of those came with breezy conditions, Sicily and um, and Perth. Um, for me, I think he's got something to prove. You know, we we, we could talk about his off course altercations but I think he probably wants to try and prove something to everyone and, and deflect a little bit of attention away from all of that and no better way to do it for a professional golfer than to to secure a nice win on a, an iconic track like Valderrama I think he'll be 
I think he'll be geared up to, to play well this week. Um, you'll be on also 60 to 1 about him. Um, Wade Ormsby has been um, particularly popular, and I can see why. Um, he opened a couple of places at 66 to 1. He's been backed into around about 40, a little bit of 45 to 1 still available. And I think that's still worth taking for a player who finished 25th last week um, for, the, for his first start for just, over, just under six months. Um, 10th and 7th in his two outings prior to, uh, to, to the, the, the golf stopping and uh, it just curtailed his momentum at that point. But 25th last week was a good, good little spin, uh, shook the rust off. It's mainly his victories that you, I look at and think how he's going to fit well to this particular track. Three Asian Tour wins, one of them was co-sanctioned with the European Tour. One at Delhi Golf Club, which we've seen for the Indian Open in the past. Another one of these short, fiddly, tree-lined tracks. Two wins at Fan Ling at the uh, Hong Kong Open. And again, another short, fiddly, tree-lined track. Um, he won his most recent one of those in January, so quite quite recent form of that as well. So he does tend to come to the fore when it's these um, uh, shorter and more challenging, more... Uh, I, I guess tactical tests um, that are on the schedule. Fifth here in 2017 as well, so he's got a bit of course form to go with it as well. And uh, I still think he's worth taking on, even though his price is getting uh, slaughtered as we speak. 45 to 1 I took on Wade Ormsby. Sebastian Soderberg, 60 to 1 I've taken. And he was part of that final three ball at the Wales Open where we had uh, Valamaki and Connor Syme a few weeks back. He was the one who had the biggest chance, really, to, to catch um, catch the Frenchman. He had a chance on 18. He needed to make a birdie um, to get into a playoff and ended up finding the water um, in front of the green and ended up making an eight, which, uh, um, much to the uh, dismay of many of his punters on uh, online, from what I was seeing, as you'd expect. But he still finished fifth. He was 10th the week before that, clearly in good nick. Sixth and third for scrambling over those two efforts. 11th and sixth for straight gain to T to green on those two efforts as well. So lots to like at where those two aspects of game will come to the fore, I think, here at Valderrama this week. 23rd year on debut in 2017 was decent enough. Most tangible form, though, really, is his win at Crown Sorcier last year. Um, another short, fiddly track that should um, correlate well and does correlate well. Sergio's won there and has also won here, as we know, a number of times at Valderrama. So, um, Soderberg, well worth taking a 60 to 1, I think. Max Kiefer, 125 to 1, the first of two longer shots. Um, and again, the kind of player I tend to look for on tougher tracks. I backed him at the Wales Open on that same logic and it didn't really work. He finished 44th, but there's still quite a bit to like. He finished 10th for driving accuracy, top 25 for greens and regulation and scrambling, 6th for strokes gained around the green. And that's been one of his um, one of the real features of his form since uh, return from lockdown. He has been gaining a lot of strokes around the green. I think, again, that's going to be something that uh, is critical this week. He won on the Challenge Tour at 7 under par. He was part of that big Spanish Open mega playoff a few years back where 5 under par was good enough to get into the playoffs. So in terms of lower, sorry, higher scoring, tougher tests, um, Kiefer is one that I like to keep an eye on. Fifth year in 2018, he's, he closed with around the 66 joint best of the day. That So he can play the track, he can play the style. And I think 125 is worth taking. And finally, um, I've stuck with Craig Howie. He um, is 150 to 1 right now. 
um, late entry into the field due to his top 10 performance last week. And I couldn't resist sticking with him, really. I'd be sorely disappointed if having backed him last week, if I was to, to give up on him um, because his price has been chopped a bit, um, quite rightly chopped a bit, and if he was to go and win or place again this week. So I've stuck with him. Um, accurate, high greens and regulation, that is his game. 76.4% of greens last week, fourth in the field. Um, if he can continue that, it's just got to scramble reasonably well to get himself into some kind of um, position again this week. What we don't really know with how he is how he performs um, week on week on week when he's uh, found some kind of form. Although if you do look back at his pro golf tour days from a couple of years back, he did go through a stretch where he finished second, second, first on three consecutive weeks. So that would or three consecutive events rather, which would kind of suggest that he can maintain top form when he finds it. The fact is, though, nobody batted his 65 on Sunday last week. He should be coming in here full of beans and, uh, and ready and raring to go. So I'm um, quite happy to take him 150. So just to recap, Howie 150, Max Kiefer 125, Sebastian Soderbergh 60 to 1, Wade Ormsby 45, and Tjorbjorn Olesen 60 to 1 at the top of the shop. Anyone catch your eye, Barry? Um, I find it a tricky on the European Tour at the moment. Um, so I followed a couple of your picks last week just to dip my toe in the water, and I followed the wrong two because I didn't pick <laughs> Howie. So that was uh, that was a fail. Um, I like Soderberg shape this week. I think I'm going to follow you on that one. And a um, bit of a fan of um, Benjamin Hebert. So... You know, somebody, yeah. somebody who played well last week. Um, he's, been, he's been trending quite nicely recently. And a 30 to 1. Um, going to give him a whirl. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got so much potential, Weber. It just, I don't know. Perhaps, again, like many of these, it just needs to get that win, you know, and start getting a winning sequence to really push himself onto the next level and um, he had another chance didn't he last week he had another chance like Martin Keimer again I know Keimer go back historically is, is won an awful lot of events but if you get yourself out of that winning habit it's um, it can be more and more difficult to get over the line where you've got someone like um, Rasmus Hogard who's clearly in the winning habit and, uh, and, and these wins just kind of fall into your uh, into your lap effectively. Oh, well, he doesn't have as many scars as the uh, as the slightly older guys, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> Ignorance no, no, is bliss, no. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Hebert, I mean, could just, if you want to, if you could give him a couple of beta blockers for a few that puts lates <laughs> on, you know. Um, it, 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 could, it could do him wonders, but... Mm. Uh, yeah. No, playing some good stuff, I'll give you, I, I, I agree with you on that. So, and that's it. Yeah, I am... Um, if I find any more, any other wild thoughts come into my head, I'll, I'll put it up on uh, Twitter. But mm. I'm going to keep it kind of... This feels like a, a take a quite calm and easy week um, for me. I don't know, maybe just storing a bit of the bankroll for the US Open. Yeah. Any, anyone catch your eye, Steve? Love Soderbergh. I think he's a very well-rounded tip for this week. Mm. I'm always surprised by his price. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is a guy that won a very good tournament last year, didn't he? Kron Schuurs, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amiga European Masters, you know, no mug. Yeah. Um, he, he also beat Rory McIlroy in a playoff. Yeah, yeah, um, four, yeah, four-way playoff, which takes some takes some winning to uh, or five-way playoff, I think it was 
isn't it? And that's that's a quirky, quirky track. That is very. Mm. I mean, you can say it's a it's an exact copy of Valderrama. Nowhere is, but it's quirky. It's yeah, sure. difficult off the tee. The greens are you know very undulating and quirky. Yeah. It's not a um, gouge job by any stretch. I think there's one guy that come and could come and slap you on the ass, and you know who that is. Oh dear, I, is that a swear word? Um, Wait, Connor Syme. Connor Syme is just shouting to be back because he's due. He hasn't shown the greatest amount of mental fortitude uh, when he's been. But you know, the guy keeps, and he's got the perfect game for this. Fairways and greens. Fairways and greens. 45 to 1 on Connor Syme. The other one I do like the look of. If I'm going to back Syme, I'd probably have to take the other young Scott that I really have been mentioning a lot this year, Callum Hill. He's playing some really good stuff. Yeah. And this Sammy Fallimacki chap, he's a very good goal for that, the, the Finnish youngster. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he's coming in red hot form as well. Yeah, he was he was the closest to, to the list of players that I didn't back. He, he didn't do you any any harm last time out when he finished runner-up, did he? Yeah, no, he, he, hung, he hung about, which is more than can be said for a, for a few other players um, mm. that uh, we've mentioned. But yeah, it's um, there's, a, there's a few you could, you could make a case for. And if Connor Syme does win, then... Um, Sadly, he won't be carrying my money this this week. But uh, but yeah, good. I wish you the best of luck. Honestly, yeah, I, w- I will. I will back um, a few of those. Um, the other one, I suppose, right at the very top, and someone that's got to be due a win soon. Not that I'm going to be backing him at the price is Martin Keimer. Um, was that his first European Tour outing last week? Um, of, no, he's, the, no he's, he's, has he played? He's played. He's played sporadically for on various oh, okay. um, events he over has. the last. But yeah, it's. I don't know. Where's Where's this? Does this mental scar still stretch back to Abu Dhabi? And, and, and you, you, never, you never get this value on him, do you? This no. is a guy who hasn't won for donkey's years, and he's fourteen to one. It's like, well, if he does win, oh, yeah, get on and do it. And he was in prime <laughs> positions when again last week, and yeah. uh, he, he bogeyed the par five, and penultimate hole, and. You can't do that. That's you know Martin Kimer of old would have just walked up, birdied that, t- taken a two shot win or whatever it had been, and uh, job done. But uh, he's he's not there, and uh, perhaps he will get it back. Perhaps he's clearly playing good enough golf to get himself into that position. But that that capitulation in Abu Dhabi back in when was it 2014-2015, that kind of region. It, it, I, I think it's just it's knocked the stuffing out of him from a winning mentality perspective, and he's still not quite got it back. Perhaps he will. I would definitely go to a hypnotist to make me forget that moment mm. or that day. It's... I almost needed to do that, Barry, and I was, I was backed him that way. <laughs> <laughs> it just... It... Paul, Paul, Paul's never been the same since. No. <laughs> I haven't, though. Oh, my God. I don't know how you'd recover from that. I mean, it's it just... He must mention it to me every couple of weeks. <laughs> in particular. And I'm being serious. Yeah. It, um, I created a, just a fragility in him that... It's just that's I don't know. It's hard to repair. It's like a, bro- a broken bone that heals. Like you'll always there'll always be an echo of it there somewhere um, in the feelings. It's it's what you said earlier though, isn't it? It's these scars of defeat. Mm. You know, actually you know, it's snatching defeat from what they say snatching the jaws of victory. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that was a bad one, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and it's and and you know I think I think we. Um, 
it means more because he's such a nice and likable guy and you know he's he's done great thing you know obviously great things for the Ryder Cup team but he is a genuinely really nice guy and I think that's why uh, we end up talking about him more and you know because you actually give a shit about him as opposed to you know maybe some other guys you might know uh, on, a, on a level quite like that yeah, yeah. very true should we talk uh, to a championship yeah let's do it the PGA Tour Tour Championship, um, a thirty-man field, select field. Um, I will mention this at the very top. Um, just players that I think have done so well to get here. Uh, they're not residing in the world top fifty. Sebastian Munoz, Lanto Griffin, uh, Jochen Neiman, the Vunderkid. What did he? What? How did he perform last week? Mm. Absolutely fantastic to to get into this. Uh, Cameron Champ, and I've already mentioned him in the show, Mackenzie Hughes. Um, qualifying for the Tour Championship in the top 30 just opens your schedule for 2021. Uh, invites automatic to the WGC Mexico Championship, the Masters, the US Open, and Open Championship. So that is a huge coup. I mean, Lanto Griffin, you've got to give the guy credit. Very, very consistent, and you know he's off. He's just a top twenty machine. That Lanto Griffin um, had a very good season. Has as Munoz. Um, he's had a very good season under the radar. Uh, we've also got first time East Lake Tour Championship players in the form of Tyrrell Hatton, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler. and PGA Championship winner Colin Morikawa. They're all making. Their East Lake debuts, of course, those particular four are all in the top fifty in the world right now. In fact, Morikara in the top ten, I believe. Now the golf course, it's a bit of a change, but it's a bit similar to last week in a way. It's a bruisingly long par seventy. Uh, we're playing this at in Atlanta, Georgia, so we are going to be dealing with amazing heat of. 35, 36 degrees. The tournament starts on Friday. I should point that out. It's Labor Day over in the States. So we've got a Friday to Monday tournament this week, which is clearly fantastic for next week, which gives you three days to get your everything together for the start of the PGA Tour season, which is the following Thursday. Um, it's a tough course. It was the 14th toughest on the tour last year and played to average of 70.03 over par. Um, and there's a few quirkiness about it. It's a Donald Ross design. Um, we've mentioned we mentioned Donald Ross on the on the podcast a hell of a lot. He's got uh, courses: Aronimink, Detroit Golf Club, East Course at Oak Hill, Pinehurst Number Two, uh, which is his most famous, Plainfield, and Sedgefield Country Club, where they play the Wyndham Championship every year. And there are so many links between Sedgefield and here at Eastlake when you look at winners and players that have done well it is untrue I can just bring to top or front of brain uh, Henrik Stenson who has won both the Wyndham Championship and the Tour Championship there are many many others who link very closely the other um, things to point out we're dealing with Fairly fairly large green, 6,000 square feet. They're undulating. It's a typical Ross design. Uh, 
a lot of greens with um, forward uh, or back to forward canting of the greens. And as Barry mentioned with Olympia Fields earlier, this course does feature a lot of shaved um, shaved areas around greens, which will just take ball. So, you know, you hit the green, the ball hits a contour, the ball starts rolling, and next thing you know, you're 35 yards away at the bottom of a rather steep hill having to chip and uh, scramble for your par. It's that kind of golf course. They like to get the greens here nice and firm on the stimp meter, 12 and a half uh, stimp meter reading. And whenever you read um, two, um, two of pros talking about this golf course, especially Tiger Woods, I always like Tiger Woods interviews. He tells you what really you need to know. Um, being in the rough here is a no-no. And also, he says, these are the purest Bermuda grass greens you will ever putt on. The other thing to point out, and Paul mentioned this a few weeks ago at the WGC event at St. Jude, Zoysia grass fairways. Um, a lot of players do not get on with Zoysia grass. I think it lifts the ball, and some players do. Billy Horshaw, for example, loves the stuff. Other players don't seem to get on with it at all. So um, if you're looking for Zoysia grass form, the St. Jude Invitational or the old, uh, what would it have been? I'm trying to remember. Uh, what was it called, Paul? Well, the, the, old St. Jude, the old St. Jude Classic, St. Jude Classic as yeah, was, yeah, yeah the yeah. old St. Jude Classic. Any kind of form at St. Jude, I think, crosses over really, really nicely to this. That Zoysia grass um, link, is it does seem to... I mean, you just look at Rory McIlroy. He's done well. He finished second at St. Jude last year, and he's clearly finished twi- uh, the winner here twice. Um, also, they played the PGA Championship in 2018 at... Uh, I'm trying to remember. Bell Reeve? That yeah. featured Zoysia grass as well. That was won by Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka has got an awesome record at St. Jude. And last year, he was right in the mix, right up until the final day to win the Tour Championship. So there is a lot of crossover between Zoysia grass courses and the guys that you see in contention here. Um, I'm not. It's difficult to mention winning price here because we've got a completely new um, ball game in terms of the way that the, the market stacks. Uh all I will say is the, the best scores here recently, both in 2013 and last year, 2019, were 13 under par. So it shows you we're dealing with a tough golf course this week. Um, key skill sets. Um, if we're taking the last 10 winners and we're looking at the traditional skills, the driving accuracy, the greens in regulation, the putting average and scrambling, uh it averages out at, bearing in mind it's a 30-man field, driving distance 13th. I don't think you have to be a bomber. i tell you what you do need to be, though. You need to be long, straight, and a great ball striker. Driving accuracy 7th, that is very, very high for a PGA Tour event. Sometimes you're seeing driving accuracy across a full field event in the 40s in terms of its importance. Yeah. Uh, you know, 7th here. And that ties in so well with Tiger Woods's quote. Greens in reg 6th, proximity to hole 14th. So you haven't got to be hitting it overly close. But these, this stat as well for me is key. Scrambling 8th, that's very, very high. Putting average 7th. If we look at it from a strokes game perspective, last four winners, McElroy times 2, Woods and Xander in 2017. Strokes gain off the tee, 2nd, huge. I... 
I think it's a driver's course. I really do here. I mean, Rory McIlroy's won twice. Um, Xander Schofield is a fantastic driver of the golf ball. Strokes gained approach 11th. So that relatively is low. Strokes gained aground the green. Now, this is a real eye-opener. Again, I can sometimes see this in the 20s or 30s. Strokes gained around the green, 5th. Strokes gained tee to green, 3rd. So when we say strokes gained tee to green, it's a bit of an odd mix. It's actually more important off the tee and around the green as to your approach game. And strokes gained putting ninth, which isn't overly high. <laughs> Getting back to brass tacks, it's a ball strikers golf course. It really is. And I can, I can kind of firm that up with you. Last year, I'm taking the top six in terms of scores. I'm not taking final leaderboard here. I'm taking the guys that shot the lowest scores here last year. Paul Casey, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Xander, Ches Reevy, Adam Scott. When they arrived in Atlanta, they were all in the top 52 in terms of the overall season-long ball-striking statistic. Mm. Um, you could actually take that number, 52, and you could say that cuts 16 of the current 30-man field straight away. They're not, they haven't hit the ball that good. You could also take, I think, a few more away from the 14 that are left because they've been striking the ball absolutely appallingly over the last couple of weeks. And what I do see here from previous winners is you've really got to be hitting your irons and hitting the ball very well off the tee to contend around here. I don't think you're going to find your ball striking game when you turn up at Eastlake if you haven't had it last week at Olympia Fields. And that kind of mantra would put me off personally, the likes of a Justin Thomas, who I don't think is hitting the ball brilliantly at the moment. And it would also put me off the likes of a Bryson DeChambeau, who was absolutely awful with his approach play last week and has been for quite a period of time. Um, it, all of a sudden last week, he was he, he putted really badly, I think, at uh, Boston. And then he turned up in Chicago and also he's putting brilliantly and the rest of the game's falling apart. So yeah. I think Bryson's got some problems at the moment. It's, yeah, it's, it's still tingling, isn't it? I, I, my overriding memory of this course um, in terms of a winner is, uh, is Jim Furyk. And that kind of, for me, epitomises how you can get around this track, even though the dimensions would suggest that it you need a bit bit more length off the tee. I don't think it's that. I think you've got to be yep. measured. You've got to, you know, Jim's one of the most accurate players there is out there. But Jim is also very good on and around the greens. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, you know, the, the fact that he has found a way to, to tame this track. And uh, with that same kind of, it's, it's not an out and out, it's not a US Open grind. It's not going to be as, as high scoring as it was last week, I don't think. But even so, you do need to have that kind of patience around here. Um, I think a lot throw their toys out the pram after day one. Yeah, There's a hell of a lot of money swilling around. um, And it's a golf course that isn't your typical 25 under, which a lot of these players will not like. Mm. Um, Back in your point up, Paul, last year in the without strokes index market, Ches Reevey, scored an each-way return here at 80 to 1. Yeah. So you can find a little bit of value with a player that's further down the market if you're going down that route of basically everyone starting on a level playing field. Mm. Now, I had an absolute disaster here last year. I got absolutely nowhere near it. I actually tipped up Hideki Matsuama on a Bermuda grass golf course 
And that is a bad error of judgment. Have you got a big post-it note on your um, on your wall now that says, never do that again, Steve? Well, off-air, Barry mentioned Hideki Matsuama at the US Open, and I get that because he has got tons and tons of short game, and he loves bent grass greens, and he's a grinder. Yeah. So I could see Hideki at the US Open, yes. Where I struggle with him, do never, don't ever back him. Don't ever be tempted to back him on Bermuda grass. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? One thing I've not, like last week, just looking, obviously he got a lot of TV time. The putting. He was all over the place. He was Hideki. long game. But his putting was fantastic. Yeah, yeah I agree. Long yeah. game was, awesome. yeah, a little all over the place. But he was still scoring. The short game was mm. good. And the putting, he just looks a lot more solid. You know, it doesn't look like mm. he's going to have these big misses. You know, the putts all have a decent look about them. And yep. it was interesting you were saying the kind of the makeup of a guy that could go well here this week. You know, off the tee, pretty decent. You don't need to be on point with your approach shots, but your around the greens needs to be pretty tidy. And your yep. putting can be reasonably good. doesn't need to be on fire. That is exactly what Hideki did last week. Those are his um, strokes gained stats last week. The, tell, then again, it is, the pa- it is the Bermuda that seems to befuddle him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes this week if he can tune in the the long game you know he's starting to see a few more of those balls fly through the window that he really likes um he's going to be so dangerous he could trend really hard now uh for the us open and i took him anti-post for the us open there last night uh i I just feel like he could he's only going to get shorter between now and then is my feeling what did you get barry i got him a 33s yeah i got him i use i obviously i had a boost of paddy power so i boosted him to 33s i'm quite happy with that i don't i don't see him like he's listed at 28s i can't see him going off longer than that no no not not if he continues to play well the stat i always look at here and it always seems to pay dividends is we're looking for ball strikers with a short game right the stat that I always like around here is scrambling from the rough. So not scrambling total, but once players find themselves in the rough around these greens, can they get up and down? Because this is a this is a nasty golf course for scrambling here. Yeah? And at the end of the day, even the best ball strikers this week are still going to be missing 20, 22 greens because that's just the nature of the beast, yeah? You, you know, you look at Rory McIlroy last year. He, he he hit 50 of 72 greens. He still had to scramble 22 times, yeah, to get up and down. So I'm looking for guys that can scramble. And you said, Barry, Hideki Matsuama, he's so far this season, he hasn't had the greatest of seasons, has he? He's sitting there comfortably in the top uh, 30 for scrambling from the rough this year. And that gives you confidence. If the greens here were bent grass, he'd win. I've got no doubt about that. And, you know, you tend to get the elite up there, don't you? I'm seeing guys towards the top of that category. Anser, Berger, Brendan Todd, Harris English, Xander, who we know is an absolute go-to around here. Webb Simpson, John Rahm, Kevin Kisner, Tyrrell Hatton, Hideki Matsuama, uh, Kevin Nahr, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson. That kind of game shape. Guys that, when they miss greens, can get up and down. What the names I don't see in that statistic, and one that really does show you where he's at this year, is Rory McElroy. 
Roy's Roy's struggling this year. I mean, we're talking about balls that ball striking number year on year. Last year he was in the top twenty for ball striking on the PGA Tour arriving here. This year he's forty eighth, so he's down almost in fiftieth spot, and he's not scrambling well. That just shows you where Rory's at. Other players that don't appear in this scrambling number, just out of interest, Billy Horschel, Mackenzie Hughes, Yoking Neiman, Cam Smith, Ryan Palmer. One that I really fancied, Colin Morikawa, um, Mark Leishman, one of surprised, Patrick Reed, Scotty Scheffler, another that could be popular, cannot scramble out the rough, Victor Hovland, we've been saying that for months on end, the guy can't scramble, and Cameron Champ. Old uh, One Dimension Cameron. So, I'm kind of... That's where I'm at. I just... I don't like it as a betting heat. Um, I, I actually went into this over the weekend saying to my gorgeous wife, if I could find one to back, I'd actually just back it and get away from this. But I've ended up with four. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I, I just want to... If I can get someone first... I'll tell you where I'm at with this, yeah? It'd be nice to be sitting watching the Tour Championship on Monday night with actually someone in the mix. Because usually, I haven't got the greatest records here. I've got someone that might be five shots off getting me a place. And in a 30-man field, the place is usually like a 16-1 to each way shot. So, I've gone for this. Well, actually, it'd be nice to get someone right in the heat of battle. Um, And actually, do you know what? Last year, I backed everybody in the without strokes index market. And I got thinking about it over the weekend and just ways to try a different strategy. In a way, if we're thinking about this as one of these, well, actually, it's a in-play market on on speed kind of thing. Maybe that strokes index, without strokes index, isn't the way to go. Um, I don't know. It's, you can cut the cake always. My longest shot is in that market. There is one player in this field who actually lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Do you know who it is? I'll ask you. There's 30-man field. Who lives in Atlanta, Georgia? Who do you think? Brendan Todd. Oh, well done. But you have seen my tips and read them, so... <laughs> I, I did have to rack my brain then. I haven't, I haven't read them last night. Brendan Todd, he, he's had a good year, hasn't he? And he's just always there or thereabouts. I mean, even last week, top 10 at that BMW Championship. Yeah. He lives literally 15 miles away from this place. Um, I've actually been looking. He lives in Watkinsville, just outside of Atlanta, which is literally yeah, 10, 15 miles away from this place. I expect he plays it a fair chunk of time. And he he reminds me a little bit of Ches Reevy from last year. Um, he hits every fairway. Um, when he's on form, he can hit plenty of greens. And we just know he's razor sharp around the greens and he's a great putter. What is there not to like, really? Um there's not many of his ilk in this field, that Jim Furyk type in this field that are hitting the ball that great and hanging around at the moment. Yeah. In fact, there's not many of that ilk in this field. That just shows you where the PGA Tour is at, doesn't it? Um, I just took him. Without with, without um, the FedEx Cup starting strokes mark index market, William Hill, five places each way, 50 odds. I took him at 55 to 1. I took him the. I must say as well this week, it's even a mess. I mean, some bookmakers are offering three places a quarter of the odds on the each way, which is shocking. Um, um, William Hill, I've got to give them credit. They're five places each way, 50 odds on both markets this week the without and the with strokes gain. Oh, no. I can't even pronounce it. The FedEx Cup index. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, Brendan, I didn't read out the top 10 of my predictor model either. Um, let me read it out quickly. 10, Harris English. 9, he's uh, 66 to 1 shot. These are these prices are with the index. 9 is Bryson DeChambeau. 22 to 1 with William Hill, but I wouldn't touch him personally. 8 is Rory McIlroy, 25 to 1. I wouldn't touch him personally. 7, Kevin Kisner, 175 to 1. 6, John Rahm, 11 to 4. With William Hill, five places each way. We've got five, Dustin Johnson, 15 to eight favourite at Unibet. Four is Justin Thomas, six to one with Boyle Sports. They're four places each way of 50 odds. Three is Xander Chauflay, 28 to one with Bet Fred, four places each way, a quarter the odds, interestingly enough, as are Bet365. Uh, Daniel Berger, 28 to one with Bet365, four places, a quarter the odds, the place. And Webb Simpson, 12 to one with Boyle Sports. Four places each way of 50 odds. I'll tell you I've gone for in the main market. I have gone for three. I've gone for John Ra because I just think he'll win it. Um, I've gone for Webb Simpson. I think if there's going to be the, a main challenger to Simpson this week, it's uh, two, sorry, Ram. I think it's going to be Simpson, potentially. Yeah, his, his Donald Ross record is exemplary. His Zoysa grass angle is amazing. Um, Third, second, and twelfth at TPC Southwind. He's also finished fifth, fourth, and fourth here. And I'll tell you the other reason I really like him this week. He this season, and this this would shock you if I didn't read out. I doubt if many people know this. That really did sound like Michael Kane. John Rahm and Webb Simpson are both in the top five for ball striking across the whole year. Now, John Rahm, yeah. Webb Simpson? You'd have never have said that last year. Never, ever have said that. His greens in regulation game is in the top six across the season. And he's also in the top uh, 16 this year for total driving. He always used to be short and crooked. Now, all of a sudden, he's accurate. And he's added, I was was telling you this, Paul, wasn't I? He's added seven to eight yards on average of driving distance this season alone. Yeah. You look at him. He has, he has, You can see. I mean, he's not Bryson, but you can just see those are. He has bulked up across the shoulders, doesn't he? And that I think that extra five, eight yards of carry this week at a course like this at Eastlake will pay huge dividends as long as you're hitting it straight. Plus, he's been putting well, hasn't he? I mean, you combine it all together, and you can see why he's moved up to the level that he has done over the last twelve months or so. If we looked on the PGA Tour website and we looked at number one in scoring average over the last 10 years, you'd have the very, very cream of the crop, yeah? And he, this season, has been the number one for birdie average and the number one for scoring average this Mm. year. To be fair, his odds this week actually besmirch him a little bit, I think. It's almost like saying hanging 14 to 1 out there and... There was a little bit of 14s out there in the main market. That got swallowed up. I've got on at 12s. You can back him in the without market right now at 14 to 1. That besmirches him, I think, a little bit because he's actually had a far better season than being a 14 to 1 shot in this. Mm. It's like saying, whips him. He's just not a very sexy golfer. Like, he just doesn't. No. You don't go, yeah, I want to be back, back in Webb Simpson and feel pumped about it when he wins and knocks birdies in. I don't know. Uh, am, am I alone in that kind of vibe? No, no, no. You're 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 not a Webb Simpson fan, but I think if there's if there's a perfect golf course for Webb Simpson, this isn't far away from it. No, no. 
Um, I will say this as well, just you know, for some context. Why aren't you mentioning Dustin Johnson, Steve? Well, this is in the preview, of course, which is available in the description box. At the top of the market, FedEx Cup leaders have a terrible record at the Tour Championship. In its current guise, I can't find a player who's led the FedEx Cup standings arriving at Atlanta who's gone on to win the Tour Championship. That's not a great look for Dustin Johnson, is it? And I remember last year, Justin Thomas, he just said the pressure. Now, I'm not saying that Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson are the same characters mentally. Dustin Johnson probably doesn't even know what day it is when he turns up at the golf course. But it just seems to weigh heavy on you. And if we look at it from a different perspective, players turning up second in the FedEx Cup rankings. Camillo Vijegas in 08, Henrik Stenson in 13, Horschel in 14, Spieth in 15. And they were all second in the FedEx Cup rankings when winning. Justin Thomas in 2017 and Justin Rose in 2018, they were second in the rankings before lifting the FedEx Cup, even though they were beaten that year by Chauvelet and Woods. And if those two, if they'd been running the same strokes index that those two years, they would have both beaten Zander, uh, Tiger Woods and Xander Chauvelet. So this second place rank seems to be the hotspot. That's why I've gone for John Rahm. So Rahm, uh, three points to win at three to one. I got Webb Simpson two points to win at twelve to one. Now because I've gone win only on those shorties, it means that I can put a bit of each way value in there, and I can't work out. I did have a conversation with Paul about it, and it, he said that he can kind of see it. I can't work out why I'm getting longer odds on Daniel Berger in the winner tour championship market with the strokes index at twenty eight to one. And I'm seeing him as short as 18 to 1 in that we're all starting on the same score index. So I've gone two points each way, 28 to 1, five places each way, 50 odds in the winner to a championship market with William Hill on Daniel Berger, who you have to say, he's had, a, he's had the best season of his career, undoubtedly. And again, he's another one that absolutely thrives on Zoysia. 12th, 15th and 15th here in three visits. Um, I think he's a better player than he was 15, 16 and 17 right now. He's um, He's got the ninth best scoring average around here. And listen to this. Two wins plus this year he was second in the WGC. And this is it. This isn't a guy that can't mix it now in the biggest tournaments. On Zoysia grass at TPC Southwind. He loves the Zoysia. I could see... Daniel, has, has Daniel Berger got the the cojones to win $15 million this week and win the Tour Championship? I don't know about that. Probably not. But has he got the cojones to get in the mix on a golf course that I think will suit? And at 28 to 1, we can walk away with an each way place and he's starting at four under. He's starting in the FedEx Cup sixth berth. That was the exact same berth that Xander Chauvelet launched his attack last year. So I've taken Daniel Berger, 28 to 1. So those yeah. are my four. Berger, I've got Todd in the without market, and then I've got Simpson and Ram to win. Yeah, you could, you could see one of those players from that kind of three, four under bracket um, getting close at the end, you know, as, long, as long as the guys at the very top don't, don't run away with it. Um, what did we see last year? I think the top two was six shots clear of third place. So... Um, you you can you know the, the, the place the places to make up there are you know it's going to be a bit of 
quite a lot of movement over the course of the four days. And as we said, if you treat it kind of as a, a an in-the-play market from the outset, it kind of makes it a little bit easier to get your head around the, the pricing differential. Because it is, you look at the market as it is and you think, well, DJ at the top at 7 to 4, 15 to 8, I think you mentioned. And by the time you get to the bottom, these guys are starting at 500 to 1 and in the 30-man field, it's a bit... Bit flummoxing, but uh... who would you take of the four unders? We've got Berger, English, Deshambo, Sungjae, and Hideki. Because someone in that four under bracket is going to get in the mix, I think. Yeah, well, I I wouldn't, and the reason I wouldn't is I've I've only placed one bet, and that's on Xander, who's on three under. You have the the biggest man crush on Xander. Coming from the king of man crushes here when it comes to golfers. Oh my god. Either Paul or either Paul and myself tip him up every week. <laughs> well, if there's one track, if there's one scenario where I'm gonna get stuck into Xander Showflake, it's at Eastlake because his record here, as you mentioned a second ago, is outstanding. He's he won in twenty seventeen, he's seventh in twenty eighteen, second last year with the with the strokes index and yeah, he's not really set the world alight over the last couple of uh, playoff events, 25th in each of them, but um, this is what he thrives on. This is what really gets him motivated and what really gets his juices flowing. And so 28 to 1 um, in the outright market. And as you've said, you know, he's effectively starting with a, you know, from, from a position where he's, what, seven shots off the lead, effectively, as he walks through the door on third or Friday morning, as it is. Um, but I think that'll help motivate him further as well. So. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty of plenty of options around that kind of three or four under starting position where you could see a yeah. player push through to the. To someone's going to gonna co- someone's coming from. Someone's there. jumping yeah, up. Someone do, do you guys? Everyone. No. A lot of people say it'll be Rory, but <laughs> Rory's got a lot on his plate right now. Rory's distracted. He's going to have a baby this week or the next week. You know, the, I think he's quite yeah. happy just to you know get the baby. You know, let the baby arrive, and then you might see a little bit of stress come off those shoulders or. Um, but do you guys know um, if they're going out in two balls or three balls? I can't remember from last year. I'd I think I think they go in two. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm interested in that. Like with Johnson and Ram could be going out in a two head to head. They could, you know, obviously they could go one of two ways. They could just go and start barreling birdies at each other and separate themselves, or they could get bogged down in a very quick bit of match play. And maybe not take off so well, and all of a sudden you've got a few guys jumping from behind, and, a, and you have a very condensed pack after day at the end of day one. Just be interesting for the tournament dynamic, and it's kind of what's. Uh, I did put a little bet on Hideki for the, let's say the betting and running market, which is including the score, yeah, you know, the scoring, um, yeah. the adjusted scoring. Uh, it <laughs> much to. Um, kind of made me wince a bit when Steve was going on about Bermuda grass, but I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Like I just kind of rolled it because he's playing well. Um, I think I'm going to hold back a couple of um, shots for actual in running just to see how guys are going yeah. on the week. Yeah, I get that. Um, I get that. You, you could do, yeah. you could also in, in play betting when they start on Friday. Mm. This, this is an interesting one last year. And this is based on the, Oh, it's just it's so complex to to get your head around. This was based on the score at the end of the first day, including the strokes index. Yes, 
So if we'd have, after day one, Kepka, McElroy and Justin Thomas were all leading. Bearing in mind they were leading at 10 under. So Justin Thomas had shot even par. Mm-hmm. Rory McElroy has shot six under par. And Brooks Kepka, I need to quickly find the stat. Brooks Kepka started last year at seven under. So he shot three under in round one, and they were all tied at the top of the leaderboard after day one. So this is it. There's absolutely no guarantee that both Dustin Johnson and John Rahm will be leading after day one. If one of those three under or four under starters has, has a great day and they have a, oh God, we're leading the FedEx Cup, there's $15 million on our shoulders and we're going to play really badly, all of a sudden that leaderboard just pulls together quite quickly. As long as you've got the right player that you actually, you know, has got the fundamentals to be good around Eastlake. It's just finding that one. I mean, and as Paul said, yeah, Xander could be the guy. It could be Matsuama. It probably won't be. <laughs> but I just, yeah. Well, he started well last week, didn't he? And, you know, players take that momentum, don't they? Uh, yeah, he might just, yeah, he might uh, get, forget that they're actually on Bermuda. Who knows? Um, men- mentioning Brendan, when you mentioned Brendan Todd, I was like, that is, yeah, he just seems like that fierce guy can ping his way around here. And you know, I was just thinking, oh, he, you know, he could he starts tournaments pretty well. Um, mm. Let's let's go have a look at his first round average and his first round scoring average. He's tied six on tour with sixty nine point one seven for the year. So, mm. um, looking at the um, what is it? The raw round one lowest round. So not including the FedEx scoring thing. It's just the lowest round of the day. He's thirty-three to one in a thirty Great thirty-man bet. field. Uh, each way, one fifty odds, five places. Great bet. So yeah, uh, I did actually look at first round leader as I was writing him up. And what 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 kind of prop market do I want to put him in? Mm-hmm. And um, yes, first round leader off a level playing field. I think that's another very good angle with Todd. Probably a better angle, really. But then you know you're getting half the odds. But yes, I can see that. Because Todd, if he literally gets in the mix and all of a sudden there's fifteen million dollars that's right in front of his eyes, mm. he's he won't he he'll go backwards. But yeah, will he? Fa- can he start fast? Oh yeah, there's no pressure on day one, is there? Let's go out and play some golf. Mm. Mm. Oh yes, I can see that. Yeah, plenty of ways to cut it this week. Clearly, with the, the yeah. two standard markets and all the sub markets as well. So. It, it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Try th- you have to try think of the angle. Which yeah, is- I, yeah. I, I personally, I just don't like it from a betting perspective. That that's all. I think the actual dynamics of how it works and how it unfolds on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as a viewing spectacle. Yeah, good. The other the other thing is, I've seen lots of people on Twitter and and putting content out of this. Oh, just get rid of it. Just get just go in this. We're all starting at scratch market. Oh yeah, let's do that. You you know bigger odds. The trouble with that is, bearing in mind, it's not a genuine tournament. And there's dead heat rules. So what if you get three players all getting exactly the same score in that market? All of a sudden, you're you know you're thirding all of your returns. Yeah. There's there's no perfect mm. angle to this at all. No. You know there's 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 going to be no playoff. <laughs> so and how many playoffs have we seen recently? Mm. It's this 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 you know I don't I don't particularly like it. 
Um, but yes, if I've got a couple of players in the mix on Monday night and I might make a little bit of money out and cover the week, I'll be happy enough with that. Yeah. I have one other guy I've backed still on him. I don't know what, like he deserves a win. This might not be the week because he's too far back starting, but my God, is he playing some incredible golf at the moment and a little bit disappointing um, round on Sunday by him, but Kevin Kisner. He, I got picked him at 175 to one, five places, 150 odds for just the, let's say the outright betting. And, you know, look, he's, he's a way back, but he's the kind of guy that could just nip around here, pop in a, pop in a low one and get himself somewhere in the mix. And I'm, I'm really hope, kind of hoping just to get that top five. Um, realistically, the, the getting the win is nine shots back. It's a long way to go. So, um, forgetting, you know, let's let's see what happens. The other market I found him in, but I'm exposed to that dead heat rules is betting with a DJ John Ram and Justin Thomas. So it's four, pays out each way four places, one fifth, and he was fifty to one in that market. So really, yeah, Ooh, that's a nice, that's a nice bet. So then that's that's betting without those three, but it includes the uh, strokes. It includes the strokes. Yeah, I I ho- I think yes, yeah, I think so because Webb Simpson leads that market at seven to two. I'm I'm on Paddy Power here for. So your terms. lowest, so the highest golfers on six under at the start. Yeah. is that right? Yeah, and, and Kisner's okay. fifty to one against so, yeah. so, Simpson. So, so Kisner's so Kisner's starting on one under, so he's five behind yeah. at the start, and they're offering you fifty to one. Fifty to one. Yeah. Jeez, that's a yeah, I don't mind that bit. Mm. And that's that's me for the week. Um I you know, and just see see if anybody catches my eye in running. When it's a genuinely in running, legitimately the guys are on the course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think that's us. We're done this week, aren't we? Indeed. Best of luck, chaps. Yeah. Best of best of luck to you guys and best of luck to the listeners. Um that was the PGA Tour 2019-20 season season. Finished. Season season. I can't wait for the US Open, to be honest. Oh, me neither. US Open and the Masters in autumn. How brilliant is that? Yeah. We, Paul and I are going to be pulling out content until the second week of December this year. That is how mucked up the golf season has become. Yeah. Cra- craziness. But actually, it's quite exciting. Yeah, there's lots, of, there's lots of high quality. Yeah, oh, mate, there's lots of high quality golf coming our way. Right, I appreciate your time, gentlemen, and I uh, appreciate the listeners' time. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Goodbye.